Let me bring up one quick announcement. I know we're done the offering. We got this card in there. Visitors, do they just leave it to somebody? We'll pick it up. Uh, but now I'm done with school. If you want to visit, put your address on it in the prayer area, put visit, and then when we collect them, and uh, Jessica will give it to me, and we'll start putting you on the visit list uh, to come and visit you. So, so with that, moving on. Uh, Proverbs, we come out today, uh, short, short scripture, but a longer sermon, Proverbs 29.18. I'm going to do something different, I'm going to start it, then kind of run into the announcements, or come into the heading of this there. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. This is the word of God for the people of God. We're working on that, we're getting there, all right, all right, we're working on that a little longer. Uh, I've always said that a good sermon, whether I'm preaching or somebody else, has it got a military story? Does it talk about motorcycles, ham radio, or banana pudding? One of those three. And if you put them all together, it's an awesome sermon. So one day, riding a motorcycle, I took a break. No. <laughs> so, uh, but on that deal. When I was in the Air Force, I do got a military story for us. When I was in the Air Force, I, was, I went in right out of high school. And so I was 18, joined the military, graduated high school. 24 days later, I was in uh, San Antonio, Texas. So it meant that I was 18, just, just 18 when I come in. I got promoted to staff sergeant, or E5, uh, around 21, 22 years old. And at that time, they put me in charge. I mean, literally, the next day, put me in charge of a, a night shift with about 15 people and 20 airplanes. And I was the guy that was making sure that we had 20 airplanes, whatever number was on the flying schedule. I worked with F-15 fighters. And so we're there, and I've been doing this job for three or four months, and I mean, I was literally overwhelmed, and we got a new commander in. And so the commander's sitting down with all the supervisors and talking to us, and he looked at me, he's asking all those questions the same. He looked at me, he said, Sergeant Hauser, what's your five-year vision for your shift? I, I mean, I didn't say it this way, but I sure wanted to. You know, my job is, is what I could see. And you know, I kind of explained to him was, you give me a flying schedule, and I make sure those airplanes are ready to fly tomorrow. And I looked at that and said, what more vision do I need to be on tomorrow? And he, he uh, explained to me that as the supervisor, I was in charge of those 15 people, their careers and their futures. I was also in charge of my part of my, the unit and its future. That every time, whether you're going to be here or not, you need to have a five-year plan uh, for the future. And every year or so, you modify that plan as things change and things go along, as it does. You'll jump forward to senior NCO status. I was at head, training headquarters in Shepherd Air Force Base, and they sent me to this course to teach, to come back and teach, was to John Maxwell. I'm not sure anybody's familiar with John Maxwell. And leadership, 12 points of leadership course. And John Maxwell still teaches today, still got a great program today. Uh, John Maxwell teaches leadership from a biblical perspective to secular people. He uses Moses as his main person, but he teaches leadership on this. And so it was really neat. The Air Force sent me to a Christian school to, uh, to teach his class. And I learned a lot from him. And he used this verse, the Proverbs 29, 18. He says, what is the future? What does it hold? What does the future hold? We always got to be striving 
for the future. I mean, of course, the Bible says don't worry about tomorrow, but it doesn't say don't plan for tomorrow. Don't plan for tomorrow. And so we go along with this, and just because, I'm going to mention this, the word vision, the two words we want to look at is vision and law today. And the only reason I bring this up is because I paid a bunch of money to go to this course last week, and I wrote a paper on vision. We're part of this Proverbs right here. But the, so that's the only reason you're going to get Hebrew today. The word vision is kazan, C-H-A-Z-O-N, kazan. And the meaning, well, your Bible, my Bible, actually, the New King James says revelation. Uh, some of them will say without restraint. It's all from the same word, though. And that word is an ecstatic state of divine communication, the ability to see the future, or revelation. No different than the word that revelation in the Bible is. Revelation is unveiling the future. And so that's what that word means. And so what God is telling us there in that Proverbs 2019 is that do you have a godly vision of the future? Can you see God in your life in five years from now? The law, the law, literally that word is Torah. It also means the way. Uh, that's really with the Torah or the teaching. Those who keep the teaching, Proverbs starts off with, the wise is the one who is the wise person. The one with full wisdom is the one that fears the Lord. Uh, and so it's the law of the vision or teaching. You're teaching about the future. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, or no, verses, uh, Matthew chapter 22, <coughs> starting at verse 36 through 40, what is the greatest commandment? Because we get the, we get the, uh, we get the law from the first five books of the, of the Old Testament, and we go along with that, but you know, there's a story that Jesus has with this rich, rich young ruler, does he not? And the rich young ruler followed all the biblical principles. And the rich young ruler sits there and tells Jesus, well, what much more do I need to do? And that story is about, he says, uh, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor. That's that whole thing there. In the Bible, most translations have, and the second commandment is like the first. That is not really there in Greek. It is, the commandment is, love God, love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. What is God's love? What does God love? God loves us, loves humanity, correct? He loves all of us. He, lo he loves humanity. You know, the alcoholic or the drug addict or the, the guy in prison, wherever it's going along, you know, God loves that person just as much as he loves you and me. God loves the people. God has a love for the lost. Because why did he send his son for the loss of humanity? He sent his son, so he sent his son to save you and me. So he sent his son to save you and me. God's love for us is unmeasurable. And so he goes along, the greatest commandment fulfills all of the law, all of the Torah. And so, so there we go along there is that God has a vision of the future for the love of the lost. And who is he going to use to save the lost? What vessel does God use to save the lost? The church. The church, all the churches put together now all of a sudden, the church is supposed to be what? Is the church the building? We say we're going to church, we obviously mean we're coming to the building. But the church really 
is the people. The church, we can function without the building. Believe it or not, people, we can function without the building, without air conditioning, without music, uh, without the instruments, I should say. We need to sing it. I like to sing it. And so we can go along there, and we go along in the church. We're the church going along there with this. And then in Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2, the first church, Ephesus, does anybody know, real quick, I'm going to have a little bit of interactive time here. Does anybody know what the problem was with the first church, Ephesus? It actually is the problem with all seven churches, but it starts at the first church. Uh, I had this crazy Revelation teacher that got me addicted to uh, reading Revelation and prophecy. I won't mention Ray Yodi's name, but uh, he got me on this track here. Uh, what was the problem with the first church? Anybody? Know your Bible real quick. Ephesus, Revelation chapter 2. You have lost your first love. Many people look at that as they've lost their love for God. Wrong. They loved, they were doing all the worship things, they were doing all the things. They lost the love for humanity and saving the lost. You cannot call yourself a Christian if you don't have a heart for the lost. You cannot call yourself a Christian if you do not have the love for the lost. If you're, it does not break your heart to know people that are lost. And, and so with that is, we need to realize that God loves all people. He's a respecter of no people. He loves all of us. He loves all of us, all people, all walks of life, all of humanity is made in his image. I don't care what color you are or where you're from, but all of humanity is made in God's image. And God has a love, so much of a love that he sent his son to die for us, all of us on the cross. And so that wraps us up to here today. That wraps us up. And, and so many people sit there and talk to me since I've been here at the church. I know I'm fairly new still and, and still learning the way. In six more years, I'll have that bulletin figured out. And I'll remember it to bring one with me in two years. So besides that note there, uh, we're, we're going to go over to love our neighbor. We're to love our neighbor as ourselves. And, and we're to love our neighbor as we love God. And so we go along with that. So what is the formula? So many people say, man, I just love to see the church full again. I just love to see the church full again. I'm going to promise you this, the vision of the future, God sees the church full. People serving him, worshiping him, and bringing the lost to him. And so what is, what is the formula for that? Well, let me tell you what, I have done a lot of study of this, and I have found the secret. Everybody ready for the secret of church growth? There's not one. It's got to change. There's not one. It's many and multiple things. But there is, there is a certain key in all of this church growth things. Number one, I've already mentioned it all together. Number one is, it's a one-point sermon, by the way, too. And all that was said, number one is a one-point sermon. Uh, how is your relationship with Jesus? See, your walk walks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Got that? Don't ask me to repeat that again. I used to do a men's talk before I was a pastor. That was the sermon of that man's talk. I'd go around a lot of things. How you live your life. And I've been preaching on this for a while now. How you live your life outside of this church matters. How you live your life outside of here matters. When people see you, do they see Christ? I wrote a newsletter on that recently. I'm still learning how to get make sure, oh man, I gotta write a newsletter. 
uh, or a, a devotion for the newsletter. But so, so I'm still learning the uh, getting gear with the church here. But, so, but when the people see you, do they see Christ in you? That's a big question, is it not? That's a big question, is it not? So when they see you, you got that. So number one, point one is purity of heart. You will get this sermon or this scripture many times over the years that I'm here because we will revisit this. We'll revisit church growth. Uh, so number one, the one thing I want us to focus on today is purity of heart. Purity of heart is has a love for the lost. You have no other intention. There's nothing else about it. Rick Warren, and I've seen this book somewhere in this church. Rick Warren, The Purpose Driven Church. Does anybody know what's on page one, the very first page when you open up Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Church book is? Does anybody know what it says there? This is an important message. Yeah, the whole book, this is the most important thing he writes. It's not about you. Cut and dry. It's not about you. It is about coming and being in the presence of God, worshiping God, the Savior, the creator of the word, the one that died on the cross for you and me. That is what it's about. So number one, the purity of heart. Get your agenda where you want to go. Is it in line with God? If it's not in line with God, throw it in the trash. I'll have people, I haven't had it at this church, but I've been to other churches either preaching a revival or showed up new there. Oh, pre- and I've been handed a spiral notebook. Of, this is what I want the church to be. And it's great. It's great. How many of these items did you pray for? How many of these items did you pray for and God say, write that down? Well, these are all Christian things. They're great Christian things. But is that the mission that God has for us? That's what's important. The number one is to know the important. What is the vision of the future for Lake Park United Methodist Church? What is our vision of our future? And the number one thing we need to do, we need to check our own motive at the door. What is my own motive? What am I, why am I coming here? Why, what's my agenda? And is my agenda line up with God's agenda? So number one is purity of heart. Purity of heart, what stops us from loving people is so many times it's a bad heart condition. What stops us from loving people? Oh man, that person doesn't look like me, doesn't come from my side of the tracks, they ain't my color, they ain't my... The Holy Spirit just squelches and walks out the door. The Holy Spirit will squelch and walk out the door. Hit the next slide real quick. Uh, there we go. Uh, there's two Psalms that I, I really enjoy. Two Psalms I really, really enjoy. Number one is Psalms 51. It's real long. I'm going to pick up two or three slides so I didn't have to put that one up. I'll just tell the story of Psalms 51 real quick. Psalms 51, Ash Wednesday. I'm not sure if you all use it, but it's an Ash Wednesday. We use it for Ash Wednesday quite a bit. Psalms 51 is one of my favorite, and I'll summarize it for you. This is where David, the, which is a whole funny story by itself, but the priest comes to David about Bathsheba and Uriah and has to remind him that taking a, sleeping with a guy's wife and killing her husband is wrong. I mean, there's a whole bad story right there. But so David comes and realizes his sin. And so he comes and realizes his sin, and he goes and he goes to the altar and he prays and he writes Psalms 51. Out of his heart, he writes Psalms 51. So just to summarize it up for you real quick, David comes, he recognizes who God is, he recognizes his sinful nature. But here's the good part is this is why we use it for Ash Wednesday. He recognizes that God is the one that can cleanse him from the sin. Even though how bad that sin is in our books, God is the one that can cleanse him. You have not sinned bad enough. 
that you have removed yourself from God's love. Uh, and so David recognizes this. And in my book, this is kind of funny, in my Bible, because it's a smaller Bible, it talks about that whole story. Well, there's a whole other chapter on the next page. Just about four or five sentences on the next page. If you will clean me and make me white as snow, I will tell others of your loving mercy and kindness so that they too will come to know you as your Savior. Have we told anybody about the loving kindness of God's love? Because Psalms 51 is about you and me. We recognize who God is. We recognize how lost we were and deep in our sin. We recognize that through the blood of Jesus that we were saved. And with the saving, the, the, the covenant relationship is that we will be a witness to all the world. We'll be a witness to all the world. And so we go along there. The shorter version of this is Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24. And <clears throat> Take note of this, Psalms, because you've got homework to do. Uh, I need this redone to me in Hebrew. In, uh, word, no, I don't. I was just joking with getting that one. Uh, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. If we were to finish that off, it would be everlasting life. Search me, O oh God. Step one, purity of heart. When was the last time you got quiet in the presence of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit? Search me. God, is there anything wicked in me? Be ready for the answer. You might say, well, do I, man, I'm a pretty good guy. I pay my bills. I don't kick the dog anymore. The cat I got rid of. Uh, the wife got fast for me, so I can't hit her anymore. Uh, uh, whatever the case is, whatever the case may be. So I'm a pretty good guy. Or the wife might be, you know, the other, some other statement there. But so we go along with that. So we, here we go with that. But are we in line with God? Is our lives in line with God? And I'm here to tell you what. If you will take time, search me. Just that one line. Search me, O oh God. And know my heart. If there's anything wicked in my heart, remove it. Any prejudice in my heart. Anything that's going to stop the growth of your love from me or anybody else, we've got to go. See, what we've got to realize is, number one, point one, point one, point one I guess that would be point A, we got to start with our own souls and conversion. When I first got into ministry, I'm here there, I'm at Beamish United Methodist Church. I was a youth pastor up there. And I'm not sure if you all have ever sent anybody out. The church has a lot to do with sending somebody out. Uh, Howard, uh, Carl Howard, he's a retired pastor. Some of you may know him. Great guy. Him in Geneva. Great people. And we're sitting there. I'm in large and in charge. I'm in my Air Force blues. For whatever reason, I had to come to this charge, special called charge conference. I'm in my blues. I went straight from work, and I'm there because I was still in the Air Force. And they had this 12 or 15 panel board, and they're asking me questions about ministry. And the Bob Shell, the pastor there at the time, asked me all. They had all these questions everybody asked. And boy, I was just firing that answer off because I was big, large, in charge. I had used to. I used to have this big ego, and all this other stuff. I'm just telling you the truth here. And we go along, and Carl Howard made this comment to me that stopped me in my tracks, but it's been the best truth. That I ever heard. He said, Larry, I see you're a man that you're passionate about God. Yes, sir. I see you're a person that just loves Jesus. Oh, yes, sir. That's me. I see a man that wants to go out and change the world. 
Yes, sir. I mean, I'm thinking this guy's got me red. I'm, yes, sir. He says, do you honestly want to change the world? And I said, yes, sir. He says, great. Go home and change yourself into the humble servant of Jesus Christ. What? Do what? I wanted to change the world on my terms, with my personality, with my big and large and charge personality. God cannot use that personality. He needs a humble servant that's willing to come and take the sandals off the feet of the lost and wash them. That's what God needs. That's what God needs. You know, the days, the days of people just coming to the community and coming to church are pretty much over. There's a couple people that still do. The marquee, and I'm not dogging the marquee. The marquee is great. I love, the mar- I love it that it's a computerized marquee and somebody doesn't have to put letters up there. I'd be praying for a tornado if I had to put letters up there. Uh, just to know that. But I love the, I love the electronic marquee. Newspaper ads, uh, push cards, all these things are pretty much useless in today's ministry. They, 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 they bring in 1% or 2% of people. Do uh, you know the number one things that brings people to church? Anybody, real quick? Except for Tammy. Anybody else know? What is the one, number one thing that brings people to church? Invite. Invite, 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 invite. It's an average on 50. You've got to invite somebody, the lost person today, you've got to invite them 15 times to come to church before they will accept. Because what happens? They run out of excuses. Oh, no. There comes Larry again. If we maybe go to church, maybe he'll shut up and quit inviting us. And usually when they come into the church, they actually feel the presence of God. And if the people have their, their, their things, their presence of God. Number one, invite, 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 invite. It takes 15 to 20 times of sharing the faith with somebody before they'll come to, come to faith. Uh, and, and so that's just the way it is. That's the culture in which we live in. We need to be involved in our communities. We need to be involved in what's going on. And we need to find people that don't know Jesus. We need to invite, invite, invite. But number one, if we're doing it to grow the church just because we want numbers of money, it'll never happen. If we're doing it because we have, the lo- we have a love for the lost souls of this world in our community, God will bless us beyond belief. He will bless us. He will overflow you with a blessing. But let me tell you one other thing about church growth, and I'm going to start the choir people want to, or the piano player want to come up. This is going to be kind of the end of it. Uh, let me tell you one other thing about church growth. Are you ready? Well, I was at a church, no lie, we, we prayed. They wanted children in church. And we prayed, prayed, and prayed, 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 prayed for children. Well, I was there about three or four weeks, and guess what showed up? Literally, one family brought 12 kids, and a couple other families started coming. We only, almost within a month, we started having 20 middle school and younger kids show up to church. Sounds like a blessing, doesn't it? You know what the church did? Nothing. Those kids are noisy. Those kids are loud. They eat all the food. Why? Somebody needs to talk to those parents about those children. They complained enough, the kids left and went to another church. Did they have, did search me, oh God, did they have the heart of God? I'm going to need that slide back. I should have told you that earlier. I'm going to need that slide back. We're going to do something with that slide in just a minute. Uh, 
you all did pledge cards. You all did pledge cards for the building. Great, and I've, and I've heard that uh, Jeff and Tammy said great things about the pledge cards you all filled out and turned in. I'm not going to have a pledge card for you, but I want us to think, for those who are, I know we got a couple visitors here today, great, but for those who are church members, I want you to pledge to God, right? It's a covenant relationship. I want you to pledge to God right now that I am going to be the humble servant of Lake Park United Methodist Church. I will do whatever is needed you tell me to do, God, to grow this church in the love of Christ. It's in our vows as we join the church. If we want to see something different, we need to be the change agent. We need to be the hands and feet of Christ. And so as I close this service, what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you all, is it behind me too? I'm, I'm new to the screen thing, so you just got to work with me on that one. I want us all, as I close this down, I want us all to pray this prayer. And I want you to write these Psalms down. It's, it's 139. You'll probably be in the newsletter this week. Uh, Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24. Here's the other pledge I want. I want you to pray this prayer all week. Beginning prayer time, whenever you all do your prayer time. Because I know we're good Methodists and we have a method to our madness. And then we get up in the morning or in the evenings, we pray with our Bibles and we, and we read our Bibles and we pray. I just know because you're Methodist, you do that. Uh, add this to it. And so with me in unison, let's say this together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. That's your weekly homework assignment, to pray that every day, maybe multiple times a day, and stop and listen to God, what he has to say to you. Amen.